What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right, it's Thursday, you fuckers. Yeah. I hope you're having a good fucking day because we made it past the hump. The hump, you don't. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm sick as a fucking dog. Uh, we're doing this a little bit later than we normally do, but we wanted to get it out there for you guys to enjoy. Today is part two of Fourth Wall Breakers. Breakers. Working hard behind the scenes, trying to get shit done. We watched a couple of good movies. We told you about that on Monday. It was the motivational growth, or just motivational growth, <laughs> and resolution, which are fourth wall breaking movies. To give you guys kind of an idea what the fourth wall breaking means, it's pretty interesting. Technically, when you see a play, there's three walls. Right. There's the side stage, side stage on either side, and the backdrop. Right. Guess where that fourth wall is, guys? The audience. For example, like when you do a play, they're pretending like you don't exist. Even there's like a whole room of people watching you. It's like, hey, I'm going to go take a shit. There's nobody watching me. But what if somebody was watching you (laughs) and you stared right at them while you're staring at the wall on your end, but it's almost like you realize that there's something else beyond that layer, beyond the void. Right. But yeah, breaking the fourth wall is essentially when... You break the fourth wall as if you're talking to the audience and are in with the kill. Deadpool's a very notorious character in the universe of Marvel that does this kind he of thing. He lives within that third or that fourth wall, yeah. Right. And it was actually done long before him. Oh yeah. Long before him. But this is like like back when there wasn't even like, well no, I was going to say when there was no sound in movies, but I think it was a little after that. Uh Breaking the fourth walls in any instance in which the performance convention having being adopted more generally in the drama is violated. This can be done through either directly referencing the audience or the work they are in, or referencing their fictionality. The temporary suspension of that convention in this way draws attention to its use in the rest of the performance. This act of drawing attention to a play's performance conventions is metatheatrical. A similar effect of meta-reference is achieved when the performance convention of avoiding direct contact with the camera, generally used by the actors in a television drama or film, is temporarily suspended. 
The phrase breaking the fourth wall is used to describe such effects in those media. Breaking the fourth wall is also possible in other media, such as video games and books. And there's a couple of other authors that have done that as well. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, what was the the Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy does it, I believe. You might be right about that. It's been a long time. I, I know. I've been wanting to pick up an original I read that as that. a kid, dude. Yeah, me too. But yeah, like we wanted to, we were, we picked literally, this is how we did it. We're like, shit, what do we do this week? Patrick went to Vegas and we were like, shit, what do we do? Like, right. and I was like, well, I looked at my shelf because I have like my wall of movies and then I have a shelf out in the living room. That's like your standby shelf. Yeah, like I've got different layers of the shelf. So there's like extreme important pile. <laughs> and it's all disheveled and fucked up. So Is that that stack that's going a tower on top of your shelf? Yeah, that's the uh, most okay. important ones. So there's those. Then there's like the mid-grade. Then there's the ones that's like, eh, if I don't have anything else, yeah, I need to watch these. I want to watch these. But I saw those in there, and I've been wanting to do Resolution. I believe we were going to do Resolution for the Thriller Killer episode. Right. Because I was like, it's kind of a thriller. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I saw Resolution, and I've been wanting to do Motivational Growth. And we were supposed to do an episode where it was just it was going to be Don uh, Thacker with us while we did it, because I had hit him up uh, months ago. But he just started actually becoming a little bit more... Uh, having a little bit more time, so it's like perfect timing in a way. Right. But we missed him just by a little bit, and that's my bad because I should have hit him up before we did it, but I just didn't want to bug him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be like, hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 Don, Don, he's a hey, cool Don, guy. He's a totally cool fucking guy. Like, he's the kind of guy who's just to talk to you about anything. Yeah. Like, he's really cool. But, um, but yeah, so I found these two movies, and I was like, okay, should, we should just pick these. And then we watched them, and they were like, shit, what is this episode going to be about? <laughs> right. So then we're, like, referencing and thinking about what happened to the movies, and then Patrick was like, well, maybe we should... Was it your idea or mine? I don't even know. Well, yeah, I was trying to talk, like, how they're breaking dimensions. And That's how, right. Right. And then you brought up the fourth wall, and I was like, yeah, they both fucking did that. Yeah, they both broke, uh, they both broke the fourth wall. Boy, I can't talk when I drink Sambuca. <laughs> Did I tell you? It gets me tongue-tied a little bit, Dude, too. it really does. I don't know what it is. It's like, it makes me want to talk faster than my brain... Can handle. Or it's like my brain speaking faster than my tongue. Right. So it's like there's a weird disconnect. <laughs> We're all out, though. We got to get some more. We're not. Oh, we are all we out. We are all out. Like, I didn't even give you a full shot. I hate that shit, but it makes me feel amazing. Right. It's great for pre-show. Yeah, it really is. We, we've been uh, pre, pre-doing that, we, like we said in the uh, episode on, um, on Monday. All right. So, but anyway, we wanted to talk about these movies, and I think it'd probably be best if we kicked it off with Resolution that came out in 2012. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Now, Resolution was made with about $5. <laughs> uh, they paid a homeless man to film it, and they punched a small dolphin to, to actually make this film, which is really weird. It's really unique. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, when a, million, when a millionaire offers you a little bit of money to do something silly, I mean, just, just okay. do it. Well, do you sleep s- with my wife, punch a dolphin, whatever. Do you hear how like dry I was with that humor? Right. Resolution and the people behind it have more dry humor than that. Oh, they're really good about it, though. It wasn't, like, dull. Right. And I want to get into that a little bit. I just wanted to preface it with that kind of style of humor, because there's so many different parts in the movie that are very much like that. Uh, It's very sarcastic, very uh, dry, witty humor. Um, So if you're not into It's a horror movie, but but it came out in 2012. It was directed uh, by two people, actually. It was Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. 
the story is a man imprisons his estranged junkie friend in an isolated cabin in the boonies, San Diego, to force him through a week of sobriety. But the events of that week are being mysteriously manipulated. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead directed this. They were the ones that did the movie Spring in 2014, and they're working on a new movie called The Endless, which was just in the news here last week or the week before. Yeah, I believe so. I think it was a week so, before, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember if we mentioned it. I think we may have. May have. Either way, they just played that at the Tribeca Film Festival about a couple of guys who escape a cult and find out that the cult may have been right. <laughs> so totally right up their alley. Right. Sounds exactly like these guys. Now, these guys are notorious for taking a small budget and making it into magic, magic in some sort of way. <laughs> Like, they work with a micro-budget and make stuff that you wouldn't expect. Mm. Like, this movie was made on a $25,000 budget. And you would think it would definitely be a lot more. But they're, like, super organized. They're super committed to everything that they do. Yeah, even the cinematography was on point. Right. Uh, Oh, I also wanted to mention that Justin Benson actually wrote this story. And Aaron Moorhead, the other director, is also a cinematographer for this. Mm. Um. They wear many hats. Right. Which a lot of people do these days. It's kind of what you need to do. Exactly. Especially for independent film. The casting uh, for this was pretty good, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Peter Salella, Vinnie Curran, Curran. Which is pretty much the jewel of this movie. Was it Curran? I can't remember now. It's something like that, yeah. Vinnie Curran, I think it is. Yeah, Curran. Because they were seeing it in the uh, behind the scenes, like, commentary which we'll go into that more later yeah but i thought that they did a really good job these two pretty much bounce off each other there are other actors in the film that are pretty decent too uh but those two are pretty much the i think one was even an actor right are you sure Vinny is a comedic actor and uh i believe peter is too no i'm talking about the side characters one of the guys that had come in he wasn't even an actor but he they said they fucking nailed it oh i don't know there's there was a lot of actors in it Right. I mean, I'm just saying that these two were the main right the focus main stars, of the yeah. whole whole movie because like 95 percent of the film deals with these two guys. Right. What did you think of the movie though? I found it very interesting. It made me feel something like not a lot of horror movies can make me feel right. Like when you feel like that eerie sense of like kind of like oh shit that could be happening right now. Right. The ending is just an awe. Some pretty cool camera tricks, you know. Oh, for sure, definitely. Some, some like uh, just. Weird camera tricks that they did with it. Yeah. Um, you know, some post stuff that they did, but it was all really cool. Like, it was all like trippy, weird, freaky. And it was like, it was almost like taking you and making you feel comfortable and then uncomfortable. Right. It was like this back and forth of funny and what the fuck is going on? You were kind of unsure where you were going the whole time. Right. Just make the whole story feel a little bit uneasy. Can't imagine you feel like you're floating around a limbo. Like, right. You didn't know which direction you were headed. Exactly. And then, you know, I don't want to ruin it. You know, I'm not going to ruin the ending, but by no. the end of the movie, it's like, oh, shit. Dude. Which was probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite part of the movie. Sure. Well, a lot of people, it's a good build up to it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to undercut the build up to it. Yeah, no, we don't want to dip into that because that's what kind of makes this whole movie worthwhile. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked the two actors. I thought Vinny and Peter were really good together. They bounced off each other. You know, uh, essentially, Vinny's the, the drug addict. Right. Who's like, basically, Peter is this straight-laced guy. His buddy Vinny's the fuck up, pretty much. Yeah. Peter gets a, or Peter, 
I should say their character names. Peter plays Michael, and Vinny plays Chris. So Michael gets a video from his buddy who's, like, getting high on crack or meth or whatever the hell it was, or all of the drugs, as they say. He's, like, shooting, like, cans, and, like, he cut himself, and he's, like, petting a dog, and he's, like, crying and balled up on the ground. Smoking tweak. Yeah, he's just, like, screaming at the trees and shit, and, like, (laughs) just, it's pretty funny shit. Dude, I love when he falls out of the tree and he knocks that branch down. Yeah, like, that was legit. And then later you just see him just toss the fucking branch in the pond. he throws it in the pond, that's (laughs) right. right. I didn't even think about that. He's basically having a mental breakdown, and Michael feels really bad for his buddy, Chris. So he decides... Because, like, when this video came, it has a map. It, like, has, yeah, like... it was, like, a Google map or yeah, something. Yeah, it was, like, a Google map picture of where he was with, like, a marker on it. And so he's, like, uh, you know, honey, I know you're going to have a baby and everything, but my buddy needs me, and I got to go help him out. And he's about to have this kid, and you find out something more about why he goes out to help his friend later on. He goes out there to find his friend. His friend's, like, shooting birds in the tree. Because <laughs> they he, stole his shit. <laughs> yeah, they stole his. They stole his. Is that what it was? They stole. Yeah, his, he's like, you stole my shit. <laughs> yeah, they stole his fucking drugs, and they're like chirping at him. He thinks they're laughing at him, <laughs> or something like that. He's like, shut the fuck up. Oh, I love when he. I love when he comes up and he's like, hey, it's your best friend. And he's still like firing his gun. He's yeah, like, he's is like, it okay if I come up? Don't he's, shoot. He's like, Mike. <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's me. He's like, ah, oh, cool, fucking yeah, man, come on up. <laughs> Don't fire. It's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Dude, Vinny does such a great job in this movie of playing that guy. He really does. Um, and I don't... <laughs> I almost want to say it's almost because he is almost He is a like wild card, dude. Yeah. Like, after watching all of the commentary and, you know, like, all the scenes and everything like that, like, you can just tell that Vinny is the wild card in the bunch. Oh, yeah. Fun guy. Uh, he just definitely speaks his mind. And, he and, and like, all of these guys, it seems like they're, like, all really good friends. Yeah. Everyone that made the film, it seems like they kind of all know each other. Yeah. Because they have a lot of, like, jokes with each other. And it's just like, oh, Vinny, you crazy guy. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> Vinny's the crazy guy on drugs and doesn't give a shit about life. And, and Peter's the... Or Peter... Michael is the character, you know, he's just trying to get his life together. He's about to have a kid. He's very straight-laced. And he plays the really fun, nice guy. Right. Not not fun guy, but just like stuffy kind of like nice guy. Like he's not very comfortable with everything. But you can tell he can kind of handle himself a little bit. Right. Like he's a good friend. Like he may not be cool to party with, but he got your back. Yeah. But yeah, just the the back and forth between these two, I just really, I just thought it was really funny. There were so many like really funny scenes of dialogue. Um, There was a lot of like monologues, dialogue, a lot of weird, odd ball characters that they run into in this story uh, that just keep you guessing and wondering what the hell they're doing. Right. And it's it's such an independent film, but it's like it's kind of well written. And it's actually not as improv as you would think. Like, there are moments, but most of it is scripted. Yeah. Like, they stray away from it a little bit just for it to come across as, like... Authentic. Authentic, yeah. But essentially, these guys start to bump into stuff. They find a book at the front door. One of them wakes up and there's, like, this slide on top of his chest. One of them finds something in a book or on a record and goes to a fucking library and finds this other thing. And there's people that come to the window. They, 
he finds out that when they go to the house that they're like staying in some fucking house of somebody else's without the permission. Yeah, like he was squatting. Yeah, he was time. like squatting. <laughs> he was like, dude, I fucking do drugs, man. I'm sucking fucking here for like two weeks and then I go to the next fucking place for two fucking weeks, Mike. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you want from me? The the two of them, it just it just felt really right. And it felt really cool too. Like there was a lot of weird tension yeah i don't think this movie is going to be for everybody though probably not like you kind of have to have a need or an interest in sort of ambiguous sort of uh weird shit that just happens i can see some people that maybe like david lynch into this um because it is some of his stuff is kind of funny right i don't know if you watch the extras in this fucking movie like i got the blu-ray and, like, during the Blu-ray, there is three different types of commentary. There's the directors and the producer. Uh, so it would be Justin, Aaron, and I think his name is Dave. Right. Who's, like, the head producer. And they're all kind of, like, buddies, you know what I mean? Um, but they they do their commentary, which is really funny. Then the second commentary that's on there is the whole cast and all of these guys. Most of all the cast. I think it's like the main two guys, Justin, Aaron, Dave, and everybody is just shit-faced. Like, they're all drinking. <laughs> that gets pretty wild. Uh, to say the least, Vinny gets fucking annihilated. And he kind of gets stuck in, like, endless loop, just being like, fuck you guys. No, but yeah, but I, I get the vibe <laughs> that I think that uh, Vinny's the type of guy that just likes to get a rise out of the situation right. and just say something fucked up just to get somebody to react to something a little bit, which is fine by me. Cause like, I think that's funny. Yeah. Like he's a, he's a, he's a wild card Oh, for sure. For the whole time during that commentary, he was like saying stuff like, can you just fucking pause it, man? I got to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> can you pause it, man? Like they're doing the live commentary for this movie. So you can't pause it, but it's almost like he knew that. And was just saying it because he thinks it's funny to him. Right. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, he's his best comedian to himself in a way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's a lot of fun. That one was really funny. Uh, I listened to the whole thing through the end. And I even wrote a... Uh, in the, at the end of it, they go, if you listen to this commentary, because they're like... At one point, they're like... Because Vinny goes to the bathroom to either piss, shit, or vomit, or whatever the fuck oh, it is. Oh, three, yeah. Yeah, and he, you can hear him, like, stumbling over people as he, he like, goes knocking to the, shit over. <laughs> yeah, and, like, one of the guys, I think it was, like, Aaron or Justin or whatever, like, takes him to the bathroom, and then he's in there for, like, 10, 15 minutes. He's like, I heard the toilet flush, but he like, hasn't he's come like out. The, he's like, the toilet flushed, like, a minute ago. He's like, and he's still in there. And then he comes out, but they were like, this is either the best or the worst commentary ever made. And he was like, yeah, if you guys have listened to this commentary, write us on Twitter at Resolution Story and uh, like some of the other names. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to write them. Yeah. So I like tagged him in and I was like, I'm cracking the fuck up, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And Aaron and Justin both wrote back. So they were like really cool about it. And like the other guys kind of liked it and stuff, too. But I just thought it was kind of cool of them yeah for sure the third commentary that's in this fucking dvd or blu-ray is there's a dog in the movie (laughs) okay and they had and it's i don't even think the dog's really there for the commentary but they just added dog noises (laughs) into it and i can't remember if it was justin or aaron that sit there i think it might be both of them at, at some points but they're sitting there and talking about the movie while the dog's going, <laughs> like it's commenting. 
And he's like, yeah, I don't really know why they did that. That's a good question. I mean, do you kind of think the nuance here was a little too much? Or he's like... <laughs> and I was like, and the funny thing is about this whole fucking thing that I actually sat through and I can't believe I did. And they're probably like, this guy's an idiot. Like, why? Like, we put that on there thinking like nobody would ever listen to this. You know, little did they know, little did they know that my research runs strong. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's it's funny because like the director commentary, the first commentary it, is really good. It does give you a lot of information, like factual factoids and stuff like that. The second one is all over the fucking place. It doesn't really give you factoids. It's just them talking about weird shit and making, and drinking, making yeah. fun of each other. They like they finish off an entire bottle of like really nice scotch. It sounded like they in were drinking, twenty minutes. Right. It sounded like it was Johnny Walker. Remember they said something know. about they black did, label. Yeah, or they red kept label. beeping it out, so I couldn't tell what it was. I heard red label once, and I was like, it has to be Johnny Walker. Well, they open a second bottle. And I think they finished off both of these bottles by the end of the movie. That one was just all over the place. But the funny thing is, is that the one with the dog actually had a lot of insight into the actual story of the movie. <laughs> uh, at one point, and spoiler alert, just for 10 seconds, they basically talk about the end creature, so to speak, being the Arcadian. Right, right. The Arcadian is what's creating this story. We're not creating the story, but pushing the, the chess pieces to make them react. And it's so old that it's like millions of years old that it just sort of has an idea of what these characters will do in its story. Right. And it wants them to perform these stories for them. So it's kind of like, it's really interesting and kind of deep there. But anyway, spoiler off on that part. But yeah, the the depth in the dog one is like really good. Yeah, I don't know. It's so funny to me. And and in uh in the movie there is a scene where a dog gets shot in the commentary in the director's commentary. The first commentary. Oh, yeah, this is funny shit, dude. Holy shit, I was cracking up, dude. He's like, you know, in, like when that scene happens, he's like, they, he's like, you know, it's really sad because uh, you know, we didn't get the the dog death. Like, we recorded it, we shot video for it, and it was like, the dog didn't screech, right? So we had to bring in, like, another dog, and then we tried to do it again. And it wasn't until, like, the fourth Golden Retriever <laughs> that we were able to get the right squeak. And then we didn't even end up using the footage. He's like, we just used the audio. And the only reason we stopped is because some chick on the set named Melissa, like, she was, like, pretty upset about it. She was like, guys, this is fucked up. You shouldn't be killing dogs like this, you know, just for the sake of a film. <laughs> and they're, like, so deadpan about it. And it's so, like, the way they say it is so believable. It's like they're so committed to their jokes. Right. And they even tried to pull it in the uh, other commentary with their, when they all get drunk, too. But everybody's so fucking all over the place. That no one's even paying attention. Yeah, no one's even paying attention. But I just thought it was kind of interesting. If you like the movie Resolution, guys, it is totally worth owning the DVD or the Blu-ray of this to get that. There's so much. It's chock full of all these extras. Like, they did all these videos for the Tribeca Film Festival. Like, all the, like, Fantasia Film Festival. They, like, made these skits and, and made these, like, shorts and stuff. The Some of the extras they had, they had... um. They had an alternate ending. 
right where it was just like instead of the bad ending that they show at the at the original movie it's just them talking for like 12 fucking minutes about how everything in their life has gone perfect after this this event happened <laughs> it's like six months later and he's like oh yeah man i'm uh, yeah i'm doing really good uh that crazy chick that came to the cabin she's like totally she's like me and her i didn't think it was gonna work at first but like we're really good and like what about you man like how's the kid like how's everything going he's like oh man i just i can't even tell you how happy i am about this my whole life has changed because of this i'm so glad we went out there and did that he's like how's doing drugs he's like oh i haven't even touched any forever man i guess it just takes crazy shit to happen to make you think you know for 12 minutes right (laughs) and it's like this is the alternate ending I remember that that other special feature, the mock trailer, was very fucking hilarious. Oh, where they were like trying to make it look like the the two guys were in love, right? Like it was like a drama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is the kind of commitment these guys have to making this movie. So, in some respects, while this isn't like your major blockbuster film, it is definitely a independent film, but it's done well. I think. Very. Well. I think it's done really well. Yeah. It's got some really fresh ideas, got some pretty, you know, camera tricks that they use to try to make, to build an atmosphere. Weird characters that they throw in. Actually, the directors are in the film with the the producer, Dave. Do you remember the part where they walk past those, like the, the, the church group? That's them. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they had that. Those characters are so weird, but like you thought they were going to circle back. Like they were going to be a cause to something that was happening out there. You know what I mean? Right. They kind of didn't even go back to that. Wait, say that again? Like, those characters, like, I just thought they were going to circle back and being back in the story like a major linchpin or something, but they kind of just... But they just, like, kind of introduced some certain characters to kind of push the story along. Right. To kind of keep the atmosphere going and an air of mystery. Exactly. Sort of about it. Um, A lot of people complain about that with David Lynch. They go, oh, well, he's just throwing in weird shit for no reason. I just think that like a lot of people just can't appreciate that it's building an atmosphere, right? By adding these different elements of like just weird world, like, right? Just, an like, air of mystery almost, right? Yeah, kinda, like like a whodunit kind of thing, right? Anything can go in this world, exactly. You know what I mean? Like you don't know what's gonna fucking happen next, and it's like everything's a little auspicious and weird and off kilt, yeah. And it's just like I kind of like that that they did that with the movie. Not for everybody. Not a thing that everybody likes in their movies. They try to do things differently than other movies. They don't like try to rip anything off. They try to do some unique stuff and uh, add some of the tropes in there to kind of pay homage to it. There was a couple of things about this movie that they talked about. I didn't want to go over too much of it. There was a part in the movie where Vinny gets tased. And I'm not 100% sure if they were just joking because they're so good at that deadpan shit. That if he really was tased or I not, that he actually got tased. I'm pretty sure he's committed to it. Like, yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't surprise me. Like after getting to know these guys by listening to four movies worth, of, right? Uh, or actually five movies worth of fucking entertainment and stuff that I watched. Well, not only that, I remember him saying that uh, he actually didn't shower for a month prior to that filming. was true. But I don't know if they really tased him. It's well, like, I'm just saying, if he's that dedicated to not take a shower for a month, right, it's he's possible. probably dedicated enough to get hit with a taser. I know that they threw, like, a Hawaiian punch bottle at his chest, like, a couple of times. Right. Like, legitimately hard. <laughs> like, I watched that scene, like, happen as they were recording it, like, behind the scenes. Yeah. So, it was, it was kind of interesting. The whole thing where he didn't shower for, like, a month, he was, like, complaining about it. He was like, yeah, you know, I have a fucking wife. And I had to sleep on the couch. She was like, wow, I guess you're sleeping on the couch tonight, honey. He was like, I had to fucking, you know, do this shit. 
There was even a scene where Vinny actually cries. They didn't ask him to cry, but he just did. Okay. And he was really super proud of it because, to be honest, I mean, like, I don't know if I could just cry like, on the spot yeah. like that. Especially him. He doesn't seem like the type. <laughs> right. It, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the type. But he he just cries, and it's funny in the commentary they're making fun of him for it. He's like, oh, you, oh so you're just gonna take one of the best things I did and just like shit all over it. All right, that's cool. Whatever, you know. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that this is a, a good movie, and I can't really spoil too much for it. But there are a few scenes that I do want to kind of bring up that are some of my favorites. Quite a few, really. The, some of the dialogue is just so fucking great. It's hard to kind of pick. Right. They're like arguing about something and and he was like, What is that smell? Like in the middle of it? And he was like, I shit in the bucket, Mike. <laughs> Cause essentially what the guy what 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 fucking uh the character Michael does is handcuff his friend to the like a pipe or like something. a piper yeah. on the wall so that he can't leave because he wants him to get sober and he wants him to get clean. And they gives him a bucket and he shit at it. And it's just the way he said it, he was like I shit in a bucket, Mike. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of fucking made me laugh. Do you have a scene? Probably one of my favorite scenes is that uh, he's talking about that tunnel, remember? That him and those other Oh, the homeless people, yes. And, like, he kind of tells him where it's at or whatever, and he later on he goes... Into- oh, no, no, before you say that, though, he's, like, telling him about it, and he was like, yeah, there's a lot of mountain lions out there. Yeah, yeah, all the mountain lions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want to bring a gun with you? Yeah, it's funny because, like, the outtakes, they show... Some of that extra footage of him talking about mountain lions. He was like, yeah, dude, there's a lot of fucking mountain lions out there. You might want to be careful. And Mike's like, I think I'll be okay, you know. <laughs> but they continue on. He's like, no, man, like, I think the mountain lions drive trucks around here, dude. <laughs> like, I think there was a, I saw a mountain lion driving a truck. Like, it's just the way, like, he was kind of improving there right. uh, about certain subjects. But, yeah, it was kind of funny. Right. Oh, about the, oh, and about the mountain lions, since you brought it up, I remember one thing from the commentary that the... I think it was the director's dad. Yeah, he brought over. He bought yeah, a dead mountain lion that he found. He's like, hey, the you guys, bobcat. Oh, a bobcat. He's like, you guys use this? Or he's like, yeah, sure, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll throw it in the shop. He's like, it was kind of weird that your dad just like brought that over. He was like, right. yeah, you're making a weird, stupid movie. Like, and didn't here. his dad also build the whole set that they were working on as well? I don't. The I don't, house? I don't think so. I think they just they actually just got the location. They didn't build anything. Oh, okay. All that right. was one thing that they said in the in the commentary is that all the like outside shots and interior shots were of the actual out exterior and out interior shots. Okay. So everything was like true to its thing. Right. But continue on. You said he goes Okay, okay. so he's yeah, he tells him about that cave that him and those tweakers found and and maybe you should check something out over there or told he told him where it was. It he didn't tell him to check it out, but he just told him where it was. Right. And so later he goes and checks it out and he uh he's heading down the cave and he he's got his flashlight and then like he shines it down the tunnel. And there's this like old bum sleeping in a ah! Ah! Yeah. Like I don't even know what he said. He's just like, ah! <laughs> I think that's exactly what he said. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he like, you know, books it out of there. It hurts his ankle coming out and he goes back home. And the guy's like, he's like, oh, you hurt your ankle. And he's like, oh, yeah, about that tunnel, man. You shouldn't go there. There's a lot of fucking bums in there. You probably shouldn't go there. Yeah, he's like, yeah, come to think of it, yeah, that's a really dangerous spot to go. I don't know why you would go there. Yeah. This is the way he said it, non-cavalier. Yeah, he's like, don't you think it would have been good to tell me before you went into the (laughs) fucking cave? 
Uh, just that's the kind of humor that these guys have. Though. Right. You know what I mean? That's their their humor. Exactly. Uh, or Aaron's humor or Justin's humor. Justin's humor did it. Right. There was another part in the movie. There's uh, the guy that owned the house, the cabin. They were on Native American Indian land mm. uh, or Native American land, I should say. Uh, but they were on that land and this guy who played the fucking owner had like him and like two of his buddies come up. And he was kind of a scary fucking dude. Oh, yeah, the native guy. Yeah. yeah, but I heard he was, like, really cool, like, really nice and, like, very dedicated. But, like, there was a scene because he tells... Okay, so, like, Michael goes outside, talks to this native guy and his buddies, and he's like, look, my buddy's, like, fucked up. I didn't know he didn't... I didn't know that this was your place. You know, is there any way that I could, like, pay you some money so we can just, like, get him clean and then get him out of here? He was like, here's my number meet me at this place and we'll talk. So he gets him all this money and he goes to like this casino where he's like a security guard. Right. And there's, he walks up and this, this native guy is like really kind of like, he, it's like he has manners, but you don't want to fuck with him. Right. He's very stoic. Yeah. Like he's just like, Hey, what's your name, man? Like he's like trying to break the ice with this guy. Yeah. So many ways, like the character, like Peter, who plays Michael is trying to break the ice with this guy so much, but he's not one of those guys you can break the ice with. Exactly, and he's and he's wait, lets his uh, white guilt float to the surface there. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Like it could totally be, but I don't think that's what they were thinking. Uh, I, I just like the part where he goes to pay him the money, and he's like, "Hey, you know, Charles, I got, I got a question for you." And he's just like trying to walk away. He's like, "What the fuck do you want?" Hey, do you think? You know, is there who lived in the house? What happened to the people that lived in the house? He was like, "I don't know. They burned up alive or something like that." disappeared and he was like hey man you know i also wanted to ask you and he's like why did you why don't you live there he's like it was too much money i couldn't afford it to fix it up it's just the way it is he was like cool he's like there was a fire so he was like oh i'm so sorry to hear that man you know like it's really i'm sorry hey it's really good to meet you like <laughs> it's just like he's desperately trying to break the ice with this guy right and it's such a great back and forth because the guy's a wall yeah, he, you know? he really is. And he was a great actor for that reason. Like, he played that part well. So, but then, what about you? Do you have another one? Probably, let's see. My other favorite scene would have to be, like, maybe the second day of him being his friend, uh, Michael? No, Michael's the friend. Oh, that... Michael's the friend. Uh, Chris. Chris, yeah. The, it's the second day of Chris being locked up. And, like, he's like, do you want any food? And he's like, does that have any crack in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a part where there's a book on the doorstep and Michael comes back from a walk or something. Right. And he's like, hey, I just found a book on the doorstep. Somebody left a book here while I was gone. Like, did you see anybody? And he's like, oh, that's great, Mike. Do you think maybe you can untie me? <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, no, that's really cool, man. Do you think maybe you can untie me? <laughs> anyway, I don't want to go on and on and on about this. The ending's really cool. It's very weird and, and creepy and kind of... I don't know, funny and 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 not funny at the same time. Very like, ominous in a way. Yeah, it's got some weird stuff to it. It's very unique in its own way. Right. And I think if you're into like weird movies that may be a little along the lines of David Lynch, I, I really feel like it's a very David Lynchian kind of thing. Oh, for sure, yeah. Maybe not as like too weird as that, but just it just has those weird moments in it. It's right on that line. Right. I think that you can appreciate it yeah. in that respect. But is it for everybody? No. Some people will be like, boring, but I just love that shit. Right. Like, throw some weird shit at me, because I want to see stuff I haven't seen before. I want to feel awkward. Yeah. 
One of the last movies that uh, we're going to be talking about, we're actually next week, as we mentioned on Monday, we will be having Don Thacker on. He said 100% sure, so I hope I'm not rolling you under the bus here, Don. Uh, but yeah, definitely looking forward to having him on. Hopefully do a little bit of an interview, get him to do our grave plots with us. But he directed this movie called Motivational Growth, and it came out in 2013. I believe it hit some of the film festival circuit and then finally came out. I couldn't figure out how much they spent on this film, but essentially a guy named Ian who lives in his apartment, he's kind of like a hermit. He's almost like a, I don't want to say... Like a shut-in, kind of? He's a shut-in for sure. Yeah. Like he's just kind of given up on life. Nothing's really happened for him to make him want to do anything else. And he's kind of grown this bond with his television, who he calls Kent, lovingly calls Kent. And it's not like an old TV. Like, I mean... 1969 like it had its own cabinet yeah like it's made out of wood yeah Uh, like the cabinet is made out of wood it is a crt tube like basically cathode ray tube uh old tv color barely old enough to be color you know kind of thing he's in this this room and his tv dies and he kind of gets fed up with life and he doesn't know what to do he like gets cabin fever in a way because his whole life was dependent upon kent his tv right and so he tries to kill himself by pouring clorox bleach and windex together creating some sort of uh gas like mustard gas or right something like that i can't remember what they call it and i forget what he did like he like tried to climb up something he tried to get up on the sink because he saw that there was a bathroom vent oh yeah because the <clears throat> vent was sucking out all the gas right so he tries to block it up he slips falls back, hits his head, and hits the ground. And all of a sudden, he notices he wakes up, and there's this mold in the corner of the sink and the wall that starts talking to him. And he's not really sure what the fuck is going on. And so begins the adventure of Ian, or Jack, (laughs) as the mold calls him. But the cool thing about this movie, Don Thacker directed and wrote and even edited this film and put it together. He's very specific about what he wanted to do in this film. And he actually got Jeffrey Combs to do the role of the mold. The mold. A pile of mold. A pile of mold in the corner that has pretty much no eyes and droopy eyebrows (laughs) that (laughs) go over his eyes, (laughs) and then like a big mash of teeth in the corner of this bathroom. And it's just amazing what happens with that. Right. And by the way, we didn't even really explain how the first movie fucking broke the fourth wall. So, in resolution, just real quick, a side note. I don't mean to derail everything, guys. But as a side note, part of the reason that the fourth wall was broken was because a lot of times the characters would look at the camera, take pictures of the camera. They'd be aware of something past that layer of the fourth wall. Right. Uh, although it, it could have been the Arcadian character, the 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 creature, etc., but it was breaking the fourth wall there. So with this one, same thing kind of happens in a way, right? Where he just kind of breaks loose and right. kind of like narrates what's happening in his right. life to the audience. He's like, "Hey, what's up? I'm Ian. <laughs> right? Like my life's shit, and this is why. You know, like <laughs> he's like literally in a pair of tidy whiteies and a shitty fucking dingy ass white shirt. That part felt very Fight Club to me. Oh, very much so. Yeah, very much so. It's very stylized. This movie oh, is very yeah. stylized. Uh, it definitely has its own style. The music is different. I think Alex Maurer, uh, who does like video game music, did it. They created it. 
if specifically it's a period piece by the way it's supposed to take place in the 90s yeah yeah so they kind of wanted to have this thing and there's a lot of really rich characters who are really odd and weird <laughs> some that are normal more normal than others and it's almost like a breath of fresh air and then they take it away from you but there were, I don't think there was a character in this movie where, like, usually I'll see someone that kind of annoys me or something about them that's just, like, I don't give a fuck about. But every oh, character yeah. had their little quirks or this added to the movie. Yeah, I think he, he I think Don kind of, like, struck gold or lightning in a bottle with some of these characters. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because while he wrote them, like, the delivery that some of these people had was just so into it, dude. Yeah. Now, the movie was shot in Chicago. The whole thing was a set like a, a stage that they built, like a house that moved apart and it could take different angles and shit. Yeah. But it was all connected. And this house looks fucking dingy as fuck, guys. We're talking like food cartons all over the fucking place, like food, socks. Like a condemned building, like some heroin yeah, addicts were squatting dude, it, there. It definitely looked like a heroin addict was squatting there. But right. his addiction was pretty much TV. TV and pizza and ramen. <laughs> I don't know. I really like it. There's there's a lot of ways you can interpret this movie. I don't know, like, I was thinking motivational growth, and I'm thinking to myself, as an artist, I'm like, I'm always constantly trying to be creative, and it's like, sometimes you get down on yourself, right? and you have to, like, convince yourself, but there's other areas, there's other, like, ideologies that you could apply to this as well. It's pretty cool and unique. I love when Ian talks to the camera. I think that was great. A lot of the characters like we were talking about are just really on point. It's not a movie for everybody, again. Oh, yeah. But it's a very unique gem, I think, that deserves a lot of credit, especially for someone's first feature film. I know. I can believe it was his first feature film because it's pretty well put together well it seems like he really kind of thought out a lot of the shots you know like he, right he had an idea of what he wanted to do before he did it yeah what about you like what else do you think the first thing that like that i just noticed from the movie was the the soundtrack right the music this it it's 8-bit music it's very much like zelda or any other 8-bit game you can think of right um, and there is actually a couple of scenes where they show you, I can't, what was it, Stargazer? Mm-hmm. That's his game, actually. Don, yeah. Don Thacker actually owns, and I apologize if I'm saying this wrong, Don, but Imagos uh, Studios, which is like a video game company. Yeah. I think he's one of them, but he, he, it's, the game's called Starmazer DPS, I believe. Yeah. It's out on Steam. I wish it was on Xbox, but... That is, pro- I'm probably going to pick it up after watching this movie. Well, Don's a big video game player. He has Xbox, I believe, and yeah. PS4, and like PC. I wonder what he plays. I'll have to ask him about that when he comes. Yeah, out. We'll, we'll we'll probably get into that a little bit. But oh, the funny, sure. funny, interesting thing about the music that you were talking about that you like so much, they actually used a NES and a Commodore 64 to create all those sounds. Oh, that's amazing! Right. That Which is, is uh, technically, I think the movie was spot on the nose. It was 1991. Oh, really? So it makes sense yeah. that that would be the music that came from that. He was very careful about that uh, in the movie. Like you had mentioned that you had saw the KMFDM posters oh, on yeah. the wall. Oh, yeah, and the Combi Christ. Which, I, by the way, again, I think Combi Christ wasn't Combi Christ the band. All right. I think it was Combi Christ the magazine that there was a poster on the wall for. Well, there was also the, the industrial label. What was it? Uh, Metropolitan? or Metro- Metropolis. 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 Sorry. My bad, guys. <laughs> Dirt. 
Uh, yeah, no, maybe I didn't. I don't remember seeing that. I remember seeing a KMFDM poster. Those posters are actually specifically from 1991. Right. Shows that happened. And it was like KMFDM and Angel Spit, who Angel Spit actually stayed here when they played in town. So it was kind of cool. Like to, I didn't, I didn't even realize that Angel Spit went that far back. Right. So it was kind of interesting. I was like, damn, I, I didn't even really know because it took me a little while because I didn't listen to industrial for like a long while. Right. Like I was still into hardcore and metal and shit and punk, and I'd like given up on industrial. And then I started getting into like techno and raves and shit like that. And so I kind of like had this hybrid where I liked hard, like metal, hardcore and shit mixed with electronic dance music. And then I was like, holy shit, industrials changed like a whole fuck ton. Right. And that's when I realized it. So, but it was interesting to see those posters on the wall. And I'm not 100% sure. And Don will have to tell us, but I believe that the Combi Christ thing that you saw on the wall, the two C's. Is literally from his magazine, magazine yeah. not the fucking band, because I don't even think Combi Christ was around. I mean, maybe they were around, but I believe it was just the magazine. Okay. Don't quote me, but I'm just saying, like, I'm pretty sure that. So obviously, Don's a pretty big fan of industrial music or electronic music in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there's got to be. Like, you don't post shit like that on the walls. If you're not, like. If you're not a fan. Yeah. Because those aren't, like, I mean, they are big, but they're not, like. Yeah, they're not, like. Mainstream music. They're on the radio. Know? It could have been Nine Inch Nails for, you know what I mean? Or yeah. something like that, you know? But, yeah, what else uh, What else was in the movie? There was a couple of, bunch of different little factoids about this. I listened to the uh, outtakes. Uh, one of the things I thought was really cool is that Jeffrey Combs actually did all the vocals are all his acting parts through a mic as the mold first before any movie, anything was shot. Huh? Basically they wanted to make sure Don wanted to make sure that his parts were landed and they sat for several days. Like I think it was like three days they said and had him say all this shit. And even Jeffrey Combs was like, I don't even know what the fuck I was saying. He's like, but the, but whatever I said sounded fucking awesome. <laughs> it was funny because they were like he was like they were talking about how they like it took him a little while to get him into it because he because jeffrey combs couldn't like envision what the hell was really going on because it is kind of trippy movie yeah oh yeah i think it was like by the second day he got his groove and just ran with it he said uh there was a part in the commentary where dom was like He's like, I don't even know why. He's like, I know you're a really good actor. And it's like, I just don't even know why you would even accept this work. I mean, maybe it's because you're just a really good actor and you just wanted to do it. He was like, no. He was like, it's because it's like pure word candy. It was like everything that you say is just, it's like the way it's written is just, it's just so great to say it. Like, because it really is. Like, the mold says some really fucking awesome shit. Yeah, he's yeah, definitely a cool customer. Because the mold knows, Jack. <laughs> It's really hard to describe this movie to you guys. Right. It's, it's very far out. Just basically, like, there's parts where, like, Ian will eat, like, parts of the mold. Yeah. Like, the mold, you can't tell if the mold's a good guy or a bad guy. Like, a bad character, I should say. He's not really a guy. Right. Uh, but he's a bad, good or bad character. Ian has these inner turmoils. Like, part of the mold is, like, helping him to get out of his funk. Right, and become, like, a little bit more... Yeah, active like, member of society. Right. Like, he's actually cleaned up the place and all this other shit. Like, this place looked trashed. I mean, we're talking, like, shit city, guys. Yeah. Which, by the way, fun fact, none of it was dirty. They made it look dirty. The girl, and I can't think of her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry for that. Uh, the girl that did it, she really did an amazing job. She lacquered everything. 
and even some of the food wasn't even was just stage food oh yeah so it didn't even it wasn't even real so like literally nothing of it was dirty it was like the cleanest place ever (laughs) they just put stuff everywhere you know what i mean to make it seem dingy and dirty and they did an amazing job that the set was awesome Actually, you know what? Now that you say that, I kind of thought that. I was like, it's actually not that bad in there. It just kind of had shit on all the tables and stuff. But the floor Dude, and everything... the walls were fucking look like... No, but I'm talking about the floor area. Everything on the floor kind of looked all right. He just had to pick it up a little bit. But yeah, the floors look like people I like shit all over. I don't know where you're living to think that that's all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I haven't been to your house in a while. What are you, living like a fucking crackhead, dude? Hey, you know. I don't know. I thought it looked pretty fucked up when I watched the movie, but it's interesting to know that it really wasn't that bad. Right. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, like, now, now, now I feel like if I come over to your house, you're going to have a bunch of fucking broken crack pipes all over your fucking house. Like, what the fuck, man? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is this? It's a dead dog. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Keep the dead bobcat over there. Don't worry about that. That's uh, no big deal. Uh, what's that? Is that mold in your corner over there? Uh, whatever. It keeps the fucking, flies away, okay? Eh, it's fucking good, you know. Eh, clean up later. You know? <laughs> He'll do it tomorrow. Eh, just brush the bodies over there to the side. <laughs> eh, have a seat, my friend. Yeah, I think I'm going to leave. <laughs> what else can I say? That like Some of the characters in this, man, I, like, I don't want to ruin it. But there is one character, Box the Ox, who I fucking loved. Oh, is that the landlord? Yes. Yeah, he was fucking hilarious. He did such a great job of back and forth being stupidly happy and innocent and extremely... Thug-like, yeah. Angry. Uh Uh-huh. Like, don't fuck with me. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was even in the trailer, so I'm not really ruining anything for you guys, but he goes, have you ever broken a chimp's arm? (laughs) And, and and Ian's character's like, no. <laughs> He's like, you know, it's not so bad to break a... a, a once you've cr- broken a chimp's arm, it's not so bad to kill a, break a human's arm, you know? But they're fucking strong, man. They're like fucking slate rock. It's trying to break slate rock. And plus, they're fucking angry and strong as shit, so they're fighting against you while you're trying to break it. He's like, it's like crazy, man. It's like sticking a broom handle in a fucking door of a church, a burning church. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, are you uh, Shit's dark. confessing a little bit yeah, here? Or dude, what? Like, and then and then he'll switch from that to, oh yeah, that that's a really good idea. You know that I would be cool with that. That'd be great. You yeah. know, you know, Ian, you're a good guy. Yeah, you're a good guy. You're a really good guy, man. I really. It's like <laughs> we've all had that friend, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that friend that it's like. I just want to be friends with you so you don't murder me and my family. <laughs> I brought you a payday bar. I, right. I like yeah, you. Yeah, it's like the fucking Dane Cook thing where he's like, he's like the fucking scary, weird-shaped man. You want to be friends with him. You want to be friends with him because when he pulls out the fucking Uzi and fucking starts mowing people down in the office and he remembers that you gave him that payday. <laughs> but yeah, dude, like, haven't you ever had one of those friends where it's just like, fuck, dude, like, this guy's fucking nuts. But, like, I don't know why he's interested in being friends with me. Maybe it's because I'm so scared that I don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) He's one of those guys, dude. It's like, yeah, I want to be friends with this guy so that he doesn't turn his crazy rage on me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, whatever you need, man. Like, I'm totally cool. (laughs) Probably not going to call you, but when you come over, you're going to be my good friend, and we're going to get along just fine. So I wonder if that's like a character like Don thought, you know, well, maybe we'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, I, I, sure. I didn't really hear about that. But there's so many like really intense, rich characters in there. And I think that um, I didn't even go over who was in the fucking movie. Jesus Christ. Jeffrey Combs obviously plays the mold. Adrian D. Giovanni plays Ian. Okay. Or 
Jack. <laughs> the mold knows, Jack. The mold knows. Uh, but I thought Adrian did a really good job for, you know, he's not like a huge actor or anything. But this guy was so committed, man. Like, he actually did a lot of the stunts in the movie. Right. Himself. Yeah, and I remember one of the things he said, he was like, you know, a guy told him he was going to do He's like, oh, it's fine, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it, whatever. And then after he did, he's like, you know, I want to tell you, you did an excellent job. A lot of those yeah. stunts are not easy to do. They're really dangerous. And, like. and, and he's like, I did, oh, I'm glad you didn't tell me that beforehand. Yeah, I would have done that shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, he seems like a really cool guy, too. Like, he's, Right. Apparently, he's going to be in the, um, the next movie Don Thacker's going to be doing, which we're, we're going to talk to him about. Well, he was an amazing actor. When they were doing the, uh, what was it? It was behind the scenes where they're doing that one scene in the bathroom. The oh, the super- dialogue, the monologue that he has with the well, he has a monologue for himself. He just, he's really, I don't know. It's just like there's something about him. He's just so into his character. Right. He just pours himself into really, it. He really does. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it, you know, that's not easy to find. Right. You know? like, Especially to make you feel something like, holy shit. I really, I just, I just, he's just a likable guy. Like, right. And, and I'm sorry. I know you're listening, Adam, <laughs> but the character Ian reminds me, Adam Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> You totally look like this guy in a way. And it's like watching, when I watch this movie, all I keep kept saying to myself is like, God, it looks like fucking Adam, dude. But his nostrils aren't as big as oh, this Oh, God. No, we're going to tit for tat now. <laughs> uh, well, I don't uh, think your nostrils are that big, Adam. Well, just to let you know. His pinky toe isn't as elongated as that other one, <laughs> no. as, as Adrian's, you know? His, no. His nose they, is pretty jacked. They look very similar. They do. They, they really do, do dude. Uh, but I, I, take, I would take that as a huge compliment. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I love the character. I love the actor. I thought they did a, he did a really good job. Oh, for sure. So, And it's funny because Adrian was essentially performing to an audiophile. Right. And a puppeted mold. So the mold was actually made out of, you know, plastic. Probably silicon. Yeah, silicon and like basically foam and shit like that. Right. And they had all these like mechanics running through it. And they had three people at the under under the stage. Like it was like a four foot stage. And they're sitting down there controlling three people with like these hand things. And they're controlling the mold and making him talk. And it's like the way that they timed up the mouth with Jeffrey Combs' words, because Jeffrey Combs was not on the set. Right. They just had audio files. He just had audio files. And they had this, like, they said they had this beep. To say, oh, okay, it's coming up. It's like, beep. And then it would be like, Jeffrey Combs would speak. And they'd have it over the audio system. And then they would move the mouth and everything. Uh, And he said in the commentary that it was funny because there were some people, or maybe it wasn't commentary, it was the extras. But he said, he was like, it's funny because I remember hearing somebody arguing about whether or not Jeffrey Combs was running it or they did it after. You know, like he was on a microphone when he did it or something like that. And he was like, no, that was all like done live. Yeah. That was the first thing they did for the movie is get Jeffrey Combs voice. Right. So that all of that would land. And I believe Adrian, the actor, read some of the lines with him so that they could kind of get a vibe for it. Right. With Don Thacker. I think it's interesting that they did such an amazing job on the mold's mouth. They paid attention to how Jeffrey Combs, I guess they shot video of him while he was doing these uh lines to get his mouth movements down and they even incorporated it and there's three people operating both of their hands on different things like one to push the mouth out one to open the mouth and twist the mouth and like it was pretty cool like he spent a lot of money on just that so it's pretty cool i don't know there's a there's a decent amount of money that was put into this film you can kind of tell 
probably one of my favorite scenes. I'm not sure if I'm going to ruin anything for you guys, but there is a, a shit ton of trippy shit that happens in this movie, whether it be stuff that he's eating from the mold or him just having daydreams. Yeah, dude, that or, was weird shit, too. Right. There when was, he was eating that shit, I was like... Ugh. Right. But there's this one scene where he asks Ian to take a drink off of this... A nipple? It definitely oh, looked like yeah. a, a moldy booby coming out of the wall. <laughs> yeah, it really did. And he uh, that starts... was actually a a gourd. Oh, was it? They, they did a like prosthetic over it. Like they poured a mold of it. Right. They made one out of silicon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it just like it was the end of a gourd. Yeah. So anyway, oh, and it, the thing looks gnarly. It looks really fucking gnarly. Yeah. And the guy, and then he, he starts floating. Yeah, he he starts licking it, and he's licking it very like it was a, a real nipple. <laughs> and then he just starts going to town, and he starts drinking and drinking, and he's he starts floating in the air. And then he starts tripping out, and like it goes to the Stargazer video game, right? And starts showing you some fucked up, crazy shit. Like he's at this bar, and there's like, well, no, it wasn't Star, it wasn't Starmazer. It wasn't Starmazer. No, it was um, just I think it was like one of the similar artists that did this stuff for that did did some extra work. Yeah, but for it wasn't it. from the game. Okay, but it, it was definitely in that style of that game, right? But it wasn't from the game, right? But, it was some guys in France that did some of the stuff. But it was amazing looking, and the music is fucking excellent right there, too. Funny story about that that I remember hearing is that um, the director's assistant or whoever keeps it managed was like, we can't have, or the producer said, we can't have boobies, <laughs> you know, in this. Because there was supposed to be a scene where he's like, it transitions from him sucking on the teat to real teats. Oh, yeah. And they were like, yeah, we can't have naked people on the set like that sorry <laughs> and uh and so then he was like okay well mm, so i'll just hire some guys to do some uh video game sort of like cartoony stuff oh yeah yeah. yeah. so he, he was like well it wasn't on set and she was like i said no boobies and there was like he said there was like 56 boobs in that clip oh yeah <laughs> so he was like he like overdid it <laughs> i'm gonna go back and watch it again now yeah, there's a there's a lot of really fun commentary in the back that you can kind of watch and listen to. What was one of your favorite scenes? Well, there there's quite a few. I I do like that while they're while Ian's going through this trippy world, like he has these moments where he's like having moments of clarity and strength and and weakness, and the mold is essentially just kind of breaking him down. And there's a scene where he goes into the television and all the characters on the shows that he watches come to life in a way. So he's like trapped in that world. Yeah. And then the channels are flipping. And as they're flipping, like all these different characters, there's like a sci-fi one. There's like a, a Ginsu knife guy, like right. with like a fucking full on like Japanese getup he's or like whatever. He's like some kind of infomercial trying to sell you knives. Right. Trying to sell knife Ginsu or whatever. He's right. like, And he's like, chop, cut, cut, cut. And as he's cutting, he's like sawing off this chick's arm dude that was and insane. i was like yes it's like dude i was like really cool scene it and, was and the prosthetic was really good mm -hmm. like it looked real like i was just like oh damn dude like what the fuck it just shows you just how the the transition that they did and how they built it up to that part. I just thought it was really beautiful. Like it was just awesome. Yeah. And I love when movies get that trippy, dude. Like I just like it just like throws me for a loop. I really like that part. Definitely one of my favorites as well. Uh, other than that, I think I I really enjoyed this the introduction to the movie where you just see how restless Ian is just 
tossing himself around his apartment watching these stupid television shows. And <laughs> you kind of get a sense of what kind of dread he puts himself through. And, it, and they, they really solidified that for me in the opening scene. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions in this movie. There really is. It's like happy, funny, sad, like... Right. I don't know. Confused. It's, yeah, really confusing. Then angry. And, really trippy. Yeah. Like excited, love, like passionate. There's just... It's a whole gamut. Yeah, for sure. I really like this movie. It was... It's funny because I, I remember liking it and I was like, God damn it, I can't find it. And I was like... I couldn't even get a copy on Amazon or anything like that. And I was like, fuck, where can I find it? And I saw somebody doing an unboxing for the like the horror pack thing. Oh yeah, the motivational growth was in there. I was like, oh fuck! And it was like I was just missing it. Oh man! And I was like, so I wrote them, and I was like, hey, do you have any of the old August boxes? I would like to order one if you have one. And they were like, let me get back to you in a couple of days. We might be able to scrounge one together for you. And I was like, okay. And I waited and waited and waited. And they were like, yeah, we got one, dude. We'll hook you up. It's the last one, literally the last one that wow, we have. dude. And I was like, oh, shit, dude. I was like, thank you. Like, And you couldn't get it at the time. So it was like kind of expensive to get the Blu-ray. Yeah. So I was like, I felt all like cool, and now it's like 15 bucks <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> well, who knows how long that's going to last, though? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope it continues to sell. Like, I think it's a good movie. I think if you guys are into weird, uh, trippy-ass cinema that's like real stylized and, and unique, I think it's a good movie to add to your collection. I mean, both Resolution and Motivational Growth, I really enjoy a whole lot. Yeah, they're pretty good. It's like... There's something to be said about independent film that I don't think gets a lot of credit from people who only watch mainstream movies. Like, you can't compare these movies to those movies. But if you do, there's sometimes those independent movies do a lot more in the acting and, like, creativity than you would ever get from a mainstream movie in right. some regards. Well, you, you know don't have I mean? a bunch of people get telling you you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, you can always throw a shit ton of money at a movie. It doesn't make it's gonna mean it's going to have style. Right. Yeah, take Fantastic well, Four. Well... <laughs> it was a shitball. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'm not... Yeah, I don't want to compare it to that. <laughs> well, we're not comparing it to I'm just saying you could throw all the money... Like you were saying, you could throw all the money in the world at a movie. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie. No. I think, I think Don has a, a pretty decent style kind of anxious to see what he does next i think the resolution guys are doing the new endless movie i'm curious to see that because the cult a cult that that these guys escape from because they think they're batshit crazy and then they find and out they the find cult out was right yeah, that yeah they were actually some of the things that they said were actually coming true right so i think that's a really real weird mind fuck kind of movie and these are like mind fuck movies in a way oh yeah if you guys get a chance i'd say check it out and if you, if you are a fan of these movies, especially Motivational Growth, you're going to want to stick around for next week. Because next week we're going to have a fucking episode with Don Thacker, the director, next Monday. This next episode that you're going to hear on Monday. And you're going to want to stick around for that. We're going to have a quick interview. We're going to do some of the grave plots with him. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. He seems like a really fun guy. So you're going to want to stick around and check that out. But, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for coming by. I hope our format is working out for you guys. Just remember, Mondays we do one part, and then Thursdays we always have a second part. What we're needing from you guys, if you're listening, is to help us share both Monday and Thursday. Spread the word, because 
it's essentially like we're starting a whole new podcast to some people. Right. Because they're so used to us doing it on Mondays. I'm like scared that they're not going to know that we're doing it on Thursday. And then when we promote Thursday, they're going to forget about Monday. It's it's this whole fucking... Like maybe we need to like entice them somehow. Yeah. Like if you guys share, if like 50 people share this... Maybe I'll let Alex beat me with a dead fish or something. And we'll fucking <laughs> I don't want to hold it. a dead fish. Like like bare ass? Like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not what we're about here, Patrick. Hey, I'm just trying to make it interesting. All right, guys. Well, make sure you tune in on Monday. We're going to have a great show. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. And if you have any suggestions or anything, please let us know at longlivethevoid.com. But thanks for stopping by, guys. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, have a good week. Yeah, see you guys next week. Tune in every Monday from...